This is March. This is March. This is this is March. It's not October. This is this is March. Stay hungry and stay humble. Bobby, Bobby, fucking Hurley. Oh, the Jamie Dixon factor. Villanova basketball has become a Fortune 500 company. Ed Cooley, Ed Cooley, the American dream. Ed Cooley, the American dream. Greg Guard, silent assassin. Mark Schmidt. More with less, Mark Schmidt. More with less. Wait a minute. What's that? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Virginia basketball. A thing of beauty. Yes. The season is here. This is November. John Rothstein here. Episode 12 of SB Unfurled and Friends. This is only temporary. Episode 12 and the first episode of season 2 of SB Unfurled and Friends. Some changes here. We got a new theme song. It's The Hour of the Idiot by the Meat Puppets added into uh, Wait in the Water. Other change here, it's Lil Bonna X here with SB Unfurled. Unfurled. This has got to be the longest offseason ever, man. How are you feeling? <laughs> a long offseason and not much news at all. I mean, we've been kind of itching to get back and give the people some content and give them a podcast, but we've talked and been like, there's just nothing to talk about. And we don't want to, we don't want to put out, you know, an hour of just rambling about speculation. So we wanted to wait a little bit till we got a good guest, which we have until we have a little bit of info. Um, usually by October 22nd, you're, you, you know, you're getting ready for exhibition games, your schedule's set. You kind of know the team's been practicing, you know, a lot, but, Obviously, this year is completely different, but we're going to try to inform people on what we do know. Normally, I should be tweeting at like Alfred Basketball's Twitter account, which probably has like 248 followers and saying like eight hours, 12 minutes and 48 seconds until you die. 16 hours, 21 minutes and 12 seconds until you die. Because they're going to lose to us in the exhibition game. But of course, that's not going to happen this season. So, yeah, yeah, it's October 22nd. And we're just kind of sitting around like, hey, uh, we got 34 days until the season. And we, we don't have a game scheduled, technically. <laughs> we don't have a game scheduled yet, officially. I think only like four or five 
teams in the entire country have released their non-conference schedule. So uh, it, it might be a while still before we get a schedule. We do have some rumblings of, you know, what it could look like, uh, how, how it could shape up. And we can talk a little bit about that. But for those a little less initiated into uh, every little thing that's happened in college basketball in the offseason, uh, the start of the season is supposed to be on Wednesday, November 25th, which is the day before Thanksgiving, a.k.a. Drinksgiving for some people, right? Yep. Thanksgiving Eve will never be the same. I feel like that could actually be a good thing, kind of like in 2012 when the NBA started the season on Christmas Day because of the lockout, and that was actually pretty cool. So maybe this will be, I don't know, could be pretty cool. Got to make the best of it at least, but on November 25th, who does it sound like we're playing? Well, according to what we've seen, the Bonnies are going to be in what people are calling Bubbleville in Connecticut at Mohegan Sun. And, you know, they're just little four team pods for the most part. And in our pod so far confirmed is Stephen F. Austin, who, you know, the Lumberjacks beat Duke in that great game last year. They were 28 and three. They're no slouch. Uh, so it looks like that is probably who we're going to be opening up with on thanksgiving eve and then you have towson and a a tba Uh, we don't know it probably won't be a p5 but um hopefully it's a it's a solid solid team that that can uh maybe boost their resume a little bit if we can if we can get a win i'm not liking the trend right now because we've gone from the virgin islands to dc because the paradise island for a second was going to be moved to dc i think they might still play it there but we pulled out yeah. Now we're in now we're in Connecticut. We may be in like Nova Scotia by the time the season actually starts because <laughs> we're gonna keep going north. But the Jacks from Stephen F. Austin, the Jacks, I heard is our favorite team of uh, Jeffrey Tubin, but they actually beat Duke last season <laughs> in Duke in one of the games of the season. That was a wild game that they pulled off. But they have lost a couple guys from there. Um, don't yeah. want to get too much in their roster because we don't yeah. even know if for sure we're playing them because who knows? Like <laughs> we still have thirty four days. That's that's like. That's like twelve. That's like eleven, twelve months in uh, Corona time. Yeah, exactly. Um, in Corona years, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll get into Stephen F. Austin at a, in a later podcast before we play them. I'm sure we'll have a good bubble preview for people when we know more. Um, but yeah, they are a good team, and I, I mean, I don't know who else you know we could get on our schedule that could be a serious, serious resume booster, other than. I mean, UB, I mean, excuse me, SUNY Amherst, uh, usually a pretty formidable opponent. Two years ago, they were, you know, ranked throughout the season. And Siena, I mean, Siena isn't going to turn any heads. We play them every year, but they are, you know, just because of their conference. And um, usually if they do win the MAC, you're a 14 or 15 seed. But I think they're going to be good this year as well. And they, they could end up being like a top, 100 top 120 team in the country and then uh after that of course you have canisius and niagara but i'm hearing rumors that maybe we aren't going to play niagara this year uh they were scheduled to come to the riley center so if if you scratch that and if the a10 goes to 20 games you still have to fill one more game so if you you know if you have suny amherst uh Canisius and Siena and then one other game and then you're you're MTE and then you're it that's that's it then you're into conference play 
Hey guys, it's me. It's John Rothstein. I'm on the Upper West Side of Manhattan right now. I'm having wings at Bar Coastal. My more with less tweets. I I really don't mean to offend anybody. Really, uh, my main priority when I write those tweets is uh, to sell some T-shirts. So if this is the first time you're checking out SB Unfurled and Friends, we love outsourcing stuff. Uh, we've had interviews in the student section. We've had Bonna bandwagon callers in. We've had Captain Beer hanging out with us yeah. we love outsourcing not only is it fun but hey give us a little less work to do right ah uh, but yeah we've had yeah we're clearly tired from all the time off we've had from basketball stuff right <laughs> yeah yep i mean in, in this content starved sports world we're, we're looking for any help we can get right now and, and just to keep the people entertained so we got some questions here go ahead you want to read the first one yeah, let's get right into it. Uh, how do social distancing rules affect the Yeti? Will it be more dangerous or less dangerous? The Yeti is a very elusive creature in the Enchanted Mountains of Cattaraugus County. I really think the Yeti is built for this kind of situation because it stays far away from people. The fur could probably go over its face enough to be a mask and... I, I I know the cold probably isn't the best thing to kill the virus, but it probably wants to. It probably helps to keep people away from you when it's uh, hmm. you got six inches of snow and some some drifts across the Allegheny River. <laughs> what what many people don't know is that other than a college basketball Twitter account runner, I'm also a you know in my in my spare time and I'm a, an emergency medicine specialist and microbiologist actually. So I, I do know. Hmm. Um, Listen, the Yeti is very low on the genomic study of SARS-CoV-2 risk. He's down there with, you know, the uh, the American alligator, the crow, the the house mouse. Um, he's he's no risk. <laughs> Listen, people, the virus transfers from person to person. Once in a while, to get into an animal, you know, a, a chimp or a, a a baboon of some sort, but it, it's it's not going from person to Yeti or Yeti to person. So. It, don't worry about that if you're bringing uh if you're bringing your family to the southern tier. Maybe use your connections next time to get uh, Sanjay Gupta on our podcast, right? <laughs> we don't need Sanjay. I I'm uh, I'm the Sanjay Gupta of Atlantang basketball. All right, cool. Next question. <laughs> uh, let's get into ooh, let's get into some let's get into some uh, some alt right talk here. What alt right subreddit would the bandwagon moderators? most likely be found on oh my um i mean other than blackburn review <laughs> <laughs> yeah well oh man maybe if hmm i mean there I, used to be one i think they shut it down it was called the donald that clearly seems yeah. like they're kind of kind of uh neck of the woods um i don't know maybe there's like a men's rights activist thing that they might be on too there is yeah the red pill yeah uh oh yeah, yeah. they can be found i I think they could be found where i imagine all bana fans can be found where i'm found on the manjagate subreddit manjagate uh, manjagate yeah you haven't heard of manjagate no i haven't heard of manjagate well, I, we're not we're not all on manjagate to say it's definitely happening but we happening but we are curious uh Manjagate, basically, the people are saying that UMass Amherst coach Matt McCall may be leading a cabal of Satan-worshipping cannibals in the basement of Manja 2.0. Satan-worshipping cannibals? Um, aren't those just VCU fans? <laughs> well, I don't know why Matt McCall would be leading them. See, they're... they're... I mean, he's angling for a good job. I... <laughs> 
Their conspiracy is already falling apart. Listen to us. I mean, 15 seconds into this question and their conspiracy is already falling apart. Yeah. One thing I did believe, though, is maybe JFK Jr. is alive and teaming up with Mark Schmidt to infiltrate the cabal and take down the the Satan worshiping cannibals on November 17th. Mark Schmidt is my cue, but we're getting really off the rails. So let's bring in somebody a little more credible. like to welcome our newest friend to SB Unfurled and Friends, and he's also our first friend from the St. Joseph's University Hawks. It is Mr. Bracketology himself, Joe Lenardi. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. Guys, I hope I can live up to that introduction. <laughs> well, we've had somebody else from ESPN, Adrian Wojnarowski, one of your colleagues, also join us. So you are you are the second ESPN worker that is uh, now with us here. So thank you for joining us. <laughs> Well, I'll give you a little a little more ESPN trivia. Did you know that the uh, my colleague, the woman's bracketologist for ESPN, is a Bonagrad just like Woj? We did. Yes, I'm blanking on the name though. Unfurled, can you help me? I can't. No, uh, Joel, I have to fill us in on that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know when he got out of St. Bonaventure, but we did work together on Blue Ribbon for a long, long time. Charlie's much younger and better looking. <laughs> there are Bonnies in a lot of places. And I don't, is Matt Martucci a St. Joe's guy or is he just a Philly guy? Cause we had him on. I think you call games with him once in a while. Don't you? He, he is the, uh, the regular play by play, uh, announcer for St. Joe's. He, he's, he's one of those Syracuse guys. Ah, okay. Oh. Just from Philly. We still gotcha. like him though, even though he's from Syracuse. He is, yeah, because yeah. he graduated with Carmelo, I think, or didn't graduate. Carmelo didn't graduate, but they were freshmen and, together. And and yeah, you're I, I like I view doing games with a Syracuse guy as kind of like community service. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, and and you know that I, that's important because I want to spend as little time in purgatory as possible, <laughs> <laughs> even if it was Bob Costas, right? Well, what I like about Costas is, um, well, he's incredibly talented. Oh, yeah. Love him. Um, he, I'm like two inches taller than he is. Oh, really? Oh, wow. And like I'm 5'6 on a good day. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, hey, we uh... – yeah, like, like um, little Bona X there said uh, last year's Bona commenter changing his name, doing a rebrand. But we we are so happy to have you on. Uh, not only an A ten guy, but obviously just the main bracketologist. I remember you even like when I was kind of a kid, or even in high school, just just refreshing ESPN to see where Bonas was back when they had some of those good teams in the late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do want to rip the Band-Aid right off and just get this out of the way. Yeah, called, just do it. You just called do it. The, we got to. You called Tulsa's um, entrance into the 2016 uh, tournament indefensible by every conceivable standard. We feel that they took our rightful spot in that tournament and robbed us, robbed us of seeing Dion Wright and, and Marcus Posley in the tournament. So – do you remember the, any any details from that, or I guess um, wh- where does that rank as far as bad snubs, and what could you 
say to the bond of faithful um because because we'll never really get over that what what could you say to us about that that might ease our pain a little bit or just just any info from what you remember i'd rather not not add to the pain no no uh, (laughs) other than to say uh the, the the quote you read uh absolutely sounds like something i would say if i was angry or crack cranky right after selections in a given year, because, you know, I tend to be running on zero to no uh, sleep at that point. But I still believe to this day that Tulsa's inclusion was, uh, look, sometimes an umpire blows a call, right? Sometimes a referee blows a call, and all you can do is say, I kicked that one. I just, I just missed it. Well, they just missed that one. Now, whether it was Bana that 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 was the team that got hosed, or whoever else was on the short list that year, uh, I think that was the Monmouth year too, if I'm not mistaken. That you know they had had some great non-league wins and were making a lot of noise as a low major, maybe to get it at large. But having you know looked back on it, being close to the Atlantic Ten as I am. Um, certainly by the standards that were in place at that time, primarily meaning that it was the RPI era uh, as opposed to the net era now and and many other metrics that have come to the fore. Uh, Yes, I think Bonaventure got screwed. I was angry about it then. I'm, I'm getting a little fired up about it now. I've had to mute myself during this. (laughs) Yeah, the only two two things I would add are, A, some of of the more advanced metrics that are now in place as a formal part of the process did not like the Bonnies as much as the RPI did that year. Uh, So we probably wouldn't have been feeling as scorned if it was the net era as the RPI era. And and then B, my second observation would be, I hope that at least there was some consolation derived from from making it and then beating UCLA, you know, the 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 the, the following uh, opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And it was great to see Adams get that chance and Courtney Stockard. Yeah. But yeah, I, I agree with you. It's tough for, you know, Dion Wright and Posley at their senior year, but I think we were like 29th and 29th in the RPI that year. Yeah, for schools like St. Bonaventure, for schools like St. Joe's, for most of the Atlantic 10 and schools outside, you know, the, the traditional power conferences, you only get so many shots. Mm-hmm. Um, that that you build toward and and to have it, what can I say? They were just wrong that year. They they just they just got it wrong. Uh, and and I know that sounds self serving and and arrogant given what my job is compared to the committees, but I, I I really try to be fair in retrospect. And there have been just as many times where I've said, you know what, I, I didn't see that. I got that wrong. Uh, in, in this particular case, in 2016, uh, I wasn't the one who made the mistake. We'll just leave it at that. Well, I'm not going to let you um, 
I'm not going to dirty your reputation by my conspiracy theory of 2016 involving a certain person from the University of Oklahoma, but we'll get into Yeah, and you know what? I, 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 I do not subscribe to that in any way. And I'll t- I, I, You're talking about the athletic director at Oklahoma, Joe Castiglione, who was the chair of the committee that year and had a connection professionally prior to Tulsa. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had a couple of off-the-record conversations with Joe after that, including uh, the Sweet 16 was in Philly that year. Uh, and, and um, you know, they're not allowed to say who they voted for and who they didn't vote for in specific teams. All, all I'll say is I, I, I feel very confident in my source here that he was not the reason Tulsa was selected where St. Bonaventure was omitted. I, I wasn't going to get into the OU and on stuff, but you wanted to open it up. So we went that way, but um. I mean, yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I've known him for many years. Like he, he wasn't the issue. Dear Tooch, I wrote you, but you still ain't calling. I left my name and my number at the bottom. I sent some messages back in autumn. You must've never got them. That's fine. But the issue that I want to talk about next is coming up this season. We're going to have a completely different schedule compared to just about any other year we don't really even know right now what non-conference is going to look like and what conference schedules are going to look like if there's even going to be conference term we have no idea what's going to happen so what are you kind of hearing about how the selection committee is going to be picking teams this season i I think they're going to have to kind of make it up as they go along um i'm sure that the preference would be to uh, function and apply the whatever we would call regular, typical standards, uh, both qualitatively and quantitatively. Uh, but, you know, there, there might be bubble teams that play, uh, you know, a half dozen really good non-conference games for evaluation purposes and others that either couldn't or wouldn't play those games for very legitimate reasons, mm-hmm. you know, a positive test, a quarantine, a, a temporary shutdown of basketball activities, whatever the case may be. Um, it, it, it just strikes me as a year where common sense has to be paramount. Uh, it's not always been the strongest point of the committee in, in, in my view. Admittedly, you know, I'm kind of a paid critic of, of, of their function, but I, I also think that it has gotten considerably more consistent and professional in the last handful of seasons. Uh, I, I just hope they're able to be flexible and not be tied to some numbers that, for purposes of small sample size or unbalanced schedules just don't make any sense. But I guess like, how do you compare like if one yeah. team has a full schedule, like for non-conference and another team from, I mean, let's assume they're both like power five teams or power yeah. eight, including we'll include the A-10, but like if one team only plays like a, a, a tournament, like at Mohegan Sun or whatever, and the other team plays like 10 non-conference games, how do you compare that balance? I mean, college football seeing the same thing with unbalanced schedules. Sure. Well, if the teams are from, you know, the quote unquote power conferences, you know, and we're, we're looking at a team's record against other NCAA level 
competition, right? Like, like I don't know what quad one is going to look like or what top 50 is going to look like, some of the benchmarks of, of the recent past. Um, but but if, 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 let's say, Michigan and Michigan State are what we're talking about, and Michigan State plays everybody under the sun because that's how it felt for them, and Michigan doesn't play. You know, they play Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan, and Western Michigan, right? Both of those teams are still going to play a dozen or more quote-unquote quad one opponents because of their league. So, like, the difference isn't going to be that Michigan has zero and Michigan State has five. The difference is going to be Michigan has 15 and Michigan State has 20. You follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like, like for the power conference leagues, I don't think they have as much to worry about. What, what, what would concern me more in a year like this would be if I'm Richmond or St. Louis and I'm picked. Or St. Bonaventure. It could be St. Bonaventure. Some <laughs> may think the Bonnies are a year away. I think they're maybe a little closer than that. Some people um, have this third right behind Richmond and Slough, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure I'd go there either. I'm not willing to discount Dayton at this point, uh, e- even losing a transcendent player as they did. Um, but, but, you know, it it's it will be just too easy for the committee to say, well, we can take Michigan over St. Bonaventure because St. Bonaventure was untested, right? And, and I'm not saying they're going to be untested or that that's going to be the actual decision. But, but the safe thing to do at the end of the at-large process would be to evaluate the teams that got those games more favorably than the ones who didn't. And I think that that won't be fair this year, but I think it's increasingly likely that it will happen that way and that it will be even more difficult for the teams outside the Power Five to earn at-large bids because it, it, it's less of a leap of faith to take, I don't know, Oklahoma at, you know, four and nine against quad one than St. Bonaventure at one and two. Let's just say. I think you're the greatest, but my dad says you don't work hard enough on defense. Listen, kid, I've been hearing that crap ever since I was at UCLA. I'm out there busting my buns every night. Tell your old man to drag Walton in the near up and down the court for 48 minutes. And that's kind of a good segue into another thing I think that Power Fives won't uh, lose any sleep over that we're seeing a whole shift in college basketball that I feel mid-majors like St. Bonaventure in the Atlantic 10 might have to worry about two rulings that came down really this week, one that's going to be voted on in January. But have you thought at all about the one-time transfer waiver and how that might affect um you know, conferences like ours, will the A-10 just become basically a farm system for the P-5s? Um, and also the additional year of eligibility for this year, you know, you might have players playing almost a full season. Yeah, we haven't known about these things, at least 
the eligibility one. The, the transfer thing's been percolating for for a good right. while. Yeah. Um, you, you know, like in the macro sense, I I, I tend to want what's best for the kids, mm-hmm. like just from a personal standpoint. And you know, if if my daughter is allowed to transfer schools as a non-athlete without penalty, why shouldn't you know Ryan Daly be able to do that, or anybody else who's a Division One athlete? Uh, so, so I get that. Uh, I, I I don't like the kind of practices of poaching that that have gone on. It's impacted yeah. really more the the low majors than you know, and and I also am not in favor of calling the Atlantic Ten teams mid majors. That's relatively recent. Thank that you. Come back to that. Agreed with that. To me, like my definition of like if you're in a multi bid league, and the Atlantic Ten has been a multi bid league, like every year but two for the last 30. So, and has averaged, you know, three to four bids a year during that span. That's not mid-major to me. Like, the Horizon League is mid-major. Yeah. The 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 West Coast Conference outside Gonzaga is, is a mid-major. The mm-hmm. uh, Missouri, you know, teams that occasionally get at large bids, leagues are mid majors, um, but you know, again, it's 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 kind of the corporate footballization, big timing of intercollegiate athletics that has resulted in the perversion of le- these labels. Um, if 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 you know the the Bonnies of the world start losing promising players uh, on a regular basis that's going to hurt the sport because not because it's necessarily bad for the individual kid, but you know, even the big boys need teams to play, right? Like they don't want to only play themselves. Like this whole notion that, that the top of division one will break off someday. Um, That may be so, but it, it's not breaking off at 60 or 70 teams, right? Like, like they still want to play other teams that aren't at, you know, that they think they can beat most of the time. They, they don't want to play every game against their own level, at least in my view. Yeah. It'd be hard to make up a 30-game season that way. Um, but, yeah, they, they, these are – Tenuous times, and it's the latest challenge to force the non-power conferences, the ones without the football money, to ante up even more to stay in the game, just like cost of attendance was an issue, right? It's a lot easier for, you know, Kentucky to pay their 13th guy cost of attendance than it is for LaSalle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 you know, that the gap between the haves and the have-nots is getting wider. Uh, and and this is another example in that trend. Well, I'll tell you one place that feels like a major conference arena for sure is the Riley Center. I don't know how many times you've been there. 
23. 23 <laughs> times. I hold, the, I hold the Atlantic 10 visiting broadcaster career record. I'm wow. impressed. I feel most trips to Orleans. What have you, what have been some of the more memorable moments for you at the uh, Riley Center for, for covering for St. Joe's or just covering for ESPN? Well, my first trip was, was uh, 1991. Uh, and my most memorable encounter uh, in, in did not happen in the arena. Uh, one, one year I flew up with St. Joe's and we got to Buffalo. And shockingly, it was snowing. And snowing, oh, wow. you know, sideways. Breaking news. Um, and we, we, we were on the interstate, leaving not too far from the airport. And we went under an overpass just as a plow was pushing a drift of snow off. And it, <laughs> no, it crashed and collapsed the front window of the bus. Oh, my God. Wow! And thankfully, no. You know, the, the driver got a few cuts. We were all okay, but uh, there, there, there was some time spent in the shoulder, waiting for another bus. And I said to myself, "How do these people live up here?" And uh, <laughs> um, I'm still asking myself that question. Blue light and buffalo wings. That's how. Yeah, the Bana faithful, and I think they're great fans and knowledgeable fans and true fans. Uh, and when they get going and when those friars start swinging those ropes on their habits, <laughs> you know, on them, I know it's a bad night for the visiting team. <laughs> Did you happen to be at the, uh, at the double overtime game back when Andrew Nicholson's that at his senior year, that still is one of maybe the best yes. game. Yes. Second best. Maybe I've seen in the Riley center against St. Joe's. Yeah. I've been, I also saw a, a, a game there once where, you know, the Hawks were at their highest peak. You know, I knew four. you were going to mention this. I it knew was, you were going to once we started talking about 2012 that you were going to start talking about when you were number one. <laughs> no, like at halftime, it was like 61 to 18 or something. Yeah. Oh, oh, and uh, and in 03 when with Jameer Nelson and Delonte yeah. West and yeah, and the. So, the at I, halftime, when you were up forty, our fans were chanting "overrated" at uh, Phil Martelli. <laughs> yeah, that didn't work out well for the Bonnies. Um, no, but but I've certainly walked out of there with I think probably more than our share of wins. Uh, but they're almost always great mm-hmm. and and great game. There have been and and I remember a. a I think it was a double or a triple overtime Atlantic 10 tournament game at the Palestra in like 94, 95 that stands out in my mind. Uh, and and it, as the best St. Joe St. Bonaventure game I ever saw, I remember another one, Jameer was a freshman and he made a half court shot to tie a game in Philly that we had no business being in and won in, won in one or two overtimes. Uh, but lately, it's been pretty much all Bonnies. Uh, I, I think maybe like eight of the last nine or seven in a row, something crazy. I was tweeting out every every time we would beat St. Joe's in like that seven game stretch or whatever that you were talking about. Like every time I would be like, the Hawk will never die. And I would keep putting up the, the box score from ESPN every single time. Like it dated back to like. I, I just I can't remember the last time St. Joe's won in, in that series. Like even in 2016, the year of the snub, and St. Joe's won the league, 
the game was in Rochester, and uh, Posey had like fifty three points or something. Great, yeah, I was at that game. Great game. Well, you had uh, DeAndre Bembry and. I remember that. Well, the, the last time St. Joe's may have beaten Bonas, it might have been in Brooklyn in that tournament. I, I want to say you've beaten us since then, but um, wow. 2014 or 15 when you guys went to the tournament and played uh, UConn, I believe. Um, but yeah, that was uh, it. Yeah, St. Joe's won the tournament in Brooklyn in 14 and 16. Yeah, beat Bonas in the in 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 the semis in 14, yeah. but didn't play them in 16. St. Yep. Bonaventure had upset St. Louis, the top seed, I think, in the quarterfinal. Yep. Gathers, uh, Jordan Gathers had a game-winning buzzer beater to to send us to the semis to play a, a very good St. Yeah. Joe's team. By the way, I got it pulled up here. Uh, Bonnies have beaten St. Joe's 12 of the last 13 times. We lost at St. Joe's in January 2018, 85-78. I don't I don't remember that one. Oh, that yeah. was when we had a bad two and four start in the conference. I do remember that. Oh, that's right. And yeah, we ended up running off like fourteen straight wins. Yep, that's so. That's thank good. you for motivating us in twenty eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're really even because the last time I golfed with Schmitty, I won. Oh, there you go. <laughs> also, you've got you've gone golfing with Mark Schmidt. I have, in fact. Any good golf stories? Any any golf stories that you're able to share on air? <laughs> uh, we both like to have a good time. We'll leave it at that. Well, we know that. Go on. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, I forget, last year, the year before, they came into Philly, and I always go in the locker room to say hi before the game. And, you know, it was not a postseason Bonaventure team. And I'm like, how we doing, coach? And he's like, you know. 37 days until the first tee, you know, (laughs) but I love him. Uh, I think he's the best coach in the league. Well, that's, that's high praise. I think we, we would agree with that too. Um, And and I think not only are, are Bonas and St. Joe's even on paper over, you know, the whole history, I think we're just, if there's one peer, a true peer that I would put Bonas with just based off history and tradition and, and, you know, just being who you are, not trying to be someone you're not. I think Bonas and St. Joe's is a, a fabulous uh, A-10 rivalry in that sense. You're kind of like us, but with cheesesteaks instead of buffalo wings. Yeah, yeah for reasons passing understanding, uh, the league insists on it always being a home-and-home home, uh, in, in the unbalanced schedule. Uh, I would really be fine with every other year to only in. Right. But that has not been in the cards. Well, we do. What, what we don't have a shortage of is good places to, to eat. So if, if you ever want some hidden gems of the Olean or the Southern tier, just just get a hold of me and I'll, I'll tell you some good spots. T- the Tasty Twirl is closed, right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah. See uh, I think that's so. A, that's a real black mark. I may not come. Oh, no. St. Joe's going to leave the conference now over this. And, and you know, years and for years and years and years, we stayed at the castle across the street. Oh. I'm just surprised you want ice cream on a uh, Olean February night at the Tasty no, Twirl. like the little Twizzle cheeseburgers. That, that yeah, that's true. Yeah, and then you got to wash the town with a shake. That's true. I, I know a couple other good uh, good little spots like that that I can I can let you know about.
we had Matt Martucci on, he um he and Dr. G love going to State King. Yeah. Matt, Matt Matt's more of a he he's more of a quantity than quality guy when it comes to food. <laughs> uh but but the last the last time I went out for a nice meal in Olean was actually with your president, a good friend. Uh, we're, we're peers. We both started in college admissions together and we went to, you know, to the bar. So it was, it was good. I, I kind of want to talk about this Bonna team specifically. Like, do you, you said earlier, you think they might be closer than two years away. I, I think with this huge nine man junior class, like they, they could figure it out and put it together. But what do you think about this Bonnet team as a whole this year? Well, arguably, you could say they had the best point guard and the best center in the league. It, 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 almost certainly the, the most impactful five-man to the extent that teams have traditional centers anymore. Now, Lofton has more competition as, you know, there's some really good lead guards in the A-10. Uh, Crutcher, of course, is back at Dayton. Fats Russell at Rhode Island. Gilliard at Richmond. Jordan Goodwin at St. Louis. You know, you you could have a first team top five of just all, you know, kind of scoring point guards in the league. Uh, but you know, having let let's say they have an elite player, an elite Atlantic Ten player, at you know the two most important positions, that's gonna give you. You know, like the, the the streak of winning double digit league games is not in jeopardy, in my view. So then it's a question of you know how high can you go, and how well does that position you for the conference tournament? Because again, as we talked maybe in the top, they're probably not going to be. There's probably not going to be enough for an at large resume, unless you know the league record is I don't know like. 18 and two or something like that. Uh, we're still waiting to hear right about a league schedule, but, but it sounds more and more like it's going to be 20 games from what I'm hearing. Oh, interesting. A little bit of news there from Mr. A little Lauren. bit, a little, little news dump there. Wow. Well, just cause teams are losing games. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of conferences are going to 20. And the irony is, the irony is there've been some that have been lobbying for a 20 game schedule for a couple of years now. And it didn't even get to a vote in the spring meetings. But now, out of necessity, and, and you know, why not experiment? It's better than not playing games, right? And, yeah. and at, at, at least, you know, whatever the safety protocols are that the Atlantic 10 chooses to implement, it would be, you know, uniform across the, the, the member schools. And, and, you know, maybe you can do some smart things with travel, like, like, you know, if you're coming to Philly, play both schools. If you're going to Richmond, play both schools. If you're going to D.C., play Mason and GW, et cetera, um, and, and, and take advantage of those kinds of things. Uh, so I'll be curious to see that when the schedule comes out. But, uh, y- y- you know, for, for the Bonnies to be – you know, in the NCAA conversation, you know, to have their decal on that little board behind me in the studio come late February, uh, 
you know, they're going to have to win all but three or four of their league games. Uh, and that means, you know, going at least 500 on the road in the league in addition to winning your home games. And that's not easy for anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, we'll see if they can peak and be ready at that point. And we'll also see, I think, some real variance this year, not just in the Atlantic 10 in every league, based upon how, like, how well schools were kind of able to keep their program together through the pandemic. Like if you're a veteran team where the guys were around and stuck together and did stuff on their own that was productive, it's got to be an advantage. If, if, if you're a young team or a, a team with guys coming from other places and, and, you know, you went your separate ways all summer and you're not even in school in person, I, I can't imagine that that's a good thing. Uh, and it j- just like I think we saw in, in the NBA – you know, some teams were more interested in being there than others. Uh, And it showed in, it showed in the results. Well, Joe, we appreciate you coming on with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully we can get you back if the Bonnies are in the bubble Um, or hopefully we're not even on the bubble. Hopefully we're talking about, you know, seven, eight seeds, maybe, or even higher than that. Um, But we'd love to have you back on during the, uh, during the bubble. Well, at this point, I'm happy to both be in a bubble and on one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Too many bubbles, but we—that's we, what we got to do. Unfurled, you got to show Lenardi, by the way, your uh, your idea for the A10 bubbles. Yeah, I, I was very bored over the summer. Uh, I had a lot of time on my hands. I put together an entire schedule with three, four team pods of how to limit travel and have all of these teams uh, be able to play one another. Kind of like what Joe mentioned, going to Philly and playing both teams, but it's even that kind of on steroids. So if you go to SB Unfurled and uh, com, it's like the top top story on there. It's pretty interesting. DM him the link after this and maybe he we'll can pick do. your brain. We'll do I'm willing to do my part, fellas, and not come to Olean. (laughs) As long as you come on here again, we'll be happy. (laughs) All right, fellas. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you. Joe Lenardi, ESPN Bracketology. Thanks again for joining us. Sure. I was bruised and battered. I couldn't tell what I felt. I was unrecognizable to myself. I saw my reflection in a window and didn't know my own face. Oh, brother, Gonna leave me wasting away in the streets of Philadelphia. If we get Lenardi back on again, I gotta remember to tell him that I have a piece of the hawk. It shed a feather at the Riley Center a few years back, and it was just sitting on the ground there. And I'm like, oh, I will keep this as a souvenir. Maybe I'll maybe I'll clone it one day. <laughs> That's your story. You didn't pluck it out of his head. No, I should have, but I feel like. You know, the the Hawk flap in two hours a, a game, he's probably pretty jacked. I don't want to get in a fight with him. But <laughs> Lenardi did break some news for us, it seems like. It it sounds like the A-10 might be thinking 20-game schedule instead of 18. Yeah, a lot of conferences are doing this, going from 18 to 20 games. And I, I thought the A-10 would have done this by now, especially after the A-10 uh, Mountain West Challenge got postponed because a lot of A-10 teams are probably – really looking for games and really struggling to fill their non-league schedule. So going to 20 games would really help out pretty much all of these programs. Um, So we'll see if that comes to fruition soon. All that would mean basically uh, is instead of if you're in the MTE, which is the multi-team event in Connecticut at Mohegan Sun, 
then really you only need to fill four games instead of six games so that you can tell how that could really help you out, especially if you don't want to travel and uh, play out of state in in these conditions. We got to see who our matchups would be too, because it's one thing if we're playing Fordham twice, but mm-hmm. maybe we can get Rich- Richmond or St. Louis. But let's get back to some of our viewer questions. Dun-dun! Oh, that's where I'm supposed to add a sound effect. Oh, well, anyways... Who has the best chance on this Bonnie's roster to be the next WWE superstar? You're the WWE expert here, so go for it. I mean, it'd have to be Detroit Muscle himself, Jaron Holmes. Detroit Muscle himself, Jaron English. Maybe he had a heel turn now. He was Jaron English. He had kind of a rebrand. Now he's Jaron Holmes. I'm always down for a rebrand. Yeah, absolutely. Dom Welch promoting him. The Sword of Damocles! Dominic Welch. Hyping him up a little bit while he's going down to the ring. I, I could see that. And, and he's just, you know, he's a big physical kid. So I, I could see him more than anyone else probably being a WWE superstar. I feel like Oshun, he, some, somehow there has to be a wrestling name out of his name. The Oshun, Oshun. He, would, he would probably run a, a stable or a tag team called the Shun Ooh. Squad, I would say. Uh, that That would be probably what he would do maybe a little a little too tall to be a, a real superstar although they do have you know the big show andre the giant guys like that so maybe not but um yeah i, I could see jaron english more than any of Holmes. them <laughs> that's the first time of probably 500 times that we're gonna do that this season sorry sorry jaron in the editing add a ding every time i accidentally say jaron english <laughs> The Jersey Strangler, Kyle Lofton. So we also had one more question. This was the only actual serious basketball question, which is fine. It's okay. Um, (laughs) Jalen Shaw, uh, Juco, he was listed at 235. He weighed uh, 265, someone said, this summer. So this person was just kind of wondering if anyone's seen him, how he's looking, uh, you know, if if he's going to be in our rotation from everything I've heard. And it's from a, a very good source. I would say that he has dropped 15 to 20 pounds since joining the program. That's that's that Darren Fisk diet, getting, getting after it, getting going. People are saying he's really skilled and that's a, a huge thing for us. I think people might be overlooking that, filling that Amadi PZ role and maybe um, even being an, uh, more of a net positive for us when he's on the floor because, you know, if Oshun's in foul trouble or he just needs a breather, we're going to need huge minutes at the five spot, especially because we're uh, undersized at the four. So getting another 6'10 big man who's skilled to fill in for Oshun would be huge, and I've heard he is, he is pretty skilled. Yeah, if people are overlooking the need for somebody behind Oshun, they clearly did not watch us between mm-hmm. November and, I want to say, February, basically. Yeah. Like, basically 70 percent of the season yeah if you didn't if you didn't see how we were without oshun it's not like anybody outside was necessarily always doing something wrong i mean sure you can nitpick everybody now and then but there was not a consistent threat down low so all Mm -hmm. teams had to do were just focus on the somewhat limited three-point shooters we have like dom and vasquez and the artist formerly known as english i almost did it (laughs) so i swerved out of that one but that's how you got to do it um is have somebody down low who can also eat up some minutes, eat up some boards, maybe some fouls. Um, But I would, I would also like for Jalen to be more than just seven minutes, four fouls, just Mm -hmm. kind of a 
not a goon, but like somebody like yeah. a hockey goon that just eats up minutes. No, you want him to be skilled, and right. I haven't seen him play yet. You know more than I would on the on the ground, um, but yeah. I would want to see him do what Oshun does and stretch the floor a little bit, at least you know near the free throw line. And I think his game is a lot more like Oshun's than Akpizi was. Like Shaw, even Schmidt said, Shaw is an outstanding shot blocker and passer as well. So on both sides of the floor, he's going to make an impact. If he and he, I think he is more skilled, probably around the basket than Akpizi was. We'll have to see. But even if not, you know, being able to not just chuck the ball up at the basket, being able to turn around and see the court and find guys in the corner who are open, like Oshun does, I think he'll be. Uh, a pretty good fill-in from what I've heard for Oshun. And I know you've been telling me that people are dying to hear what the depth chart would be because there, there are new people on the roster, but we kind of know who the big three are at least. But go ahead. What are you What are you hearing about the rest of the depth chart? Man, it's uh, we need to we need to have a saying for or or maybe a a nickname for how many juniors we have we have nine a nine man junior class it's the biggest class in bona history there are nine guys <laughs> on this team who are juniors uh and a lot of them are guards so uh how the minutes shake out at the two and three spots are going to be it's going to be interesting to see um right now obviously like you said lofton welch oshun i i think jaron holmes uh comes back and starts at shooting guard. I, I think Schmidt loves him. He came back and he played over 30 minutes a game. He was the surprise of the season last year to me. Um, I'm going to give you one uh, one surprise that might surprise people. I'm going to say that Jalen Attaway starts at the four. Over that would Justin, be fun. Over Justin Winston. Um, and, you know, Roberts – from what I've heard, he could be the most talented player on the roster. And I was going to say, for those who aren't um, familiar, Anthony Roberts, a transfer for Kent State, he, mm-hmm. um, like pretty much everybody is going to get this year because of the coronavirus, he got a waiver. So he's actually going to be able to play this season, which is a big addition and why we now have a nine-man, uh, yeah. a nine-man sophomore or nine-man junior. Right. You know. Yeah, that was, really, that was really the big news of the last couple of weeks, and we were going to talk more about that. But Anthony Roberts, a 6'4 guard, he can play the one or the two. He's a he's a good three-point shooter. I compared him. Um, someone wanted a comparison. I said I think I, I would compare him most to Andal Cumberbatch, and then I looked at their stats, and they were actually very, very close. Um, I think Cumberbatch probably a better rebounder, Roberts a better passer. But Anthony Roberts – um, going to be probably one of the one of the more skilled offensive players on the team, so you know he's going to get minutes. And then, interesting to see how the minutes shake out between Alejandro Vasquez and Eddie Creole, who I've heard good things about as well. Um, so, though that's really uh, unless a guy like Alpha Ocoli, who I've heard is looking pretty good shooting the ball, um, can step in and and take minutes from some of these guys. We're looking at. Uh, a similar starting five to last year, add Anthony Roberts, add Jalen Shaw, and Jalen Attaway. Well, we know Schmidt loves running everybody in the ground if he can, but I feel like this year he may have to take a different approach because, you know, with with the coronavirus, it's like everybody's had a little bit of a different workout schedule. It's Mm -hmm. not quite the same, so the conditioning could be a little off. I mean, we see it in other sports leagues, like soccer has more subs and and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, seasons are shorter, so... Maybe that means a longer rotation for us. I, I hope so. Like I, I don't as much as I love Lofton and he 
he can be out there for 40 minutes. I kind of wish he would get some more rest. Yeah. Lofton is exempt. Um, <laughs> so Lofton not only somehow has the coronavirus uh, vaccine built into him, but he also has, I know we were talking about Detroit muscle, but yeah. he literally has pistons in his legs. Yeah, he is. Mark Schmidt grafted them in his legs. <laughs> he's an Iron Man. He's, he's played two years and he has played the amount of minutes that most seniors would have played by now. But I, I am hearing that Roberts will be able to fill in at the one spot. And, you know, we last year I remember talking about how maybe Matt Johnson could fill in there. Uh, but, you know, as we saw, Lawton just played 40 minutes. So I think Roberts obviously going to be better than Johnson. Maybe he can fill in for five minutes at point guard and then play uh, a good amount of minutes at the two spot. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of the same thing with uh, Jalen, Sean, Oshun. You don't want to have to play Lofton 40 minutes, mm-hmm. but I mean, they usually end up doing it, but yeah. you want to be able to have that option. So everything just doesn't go haywire. Listen, in, in huge close games in the A-10 when you're playing Duquesne and it's 62 to 62 and it's, it's tight throughout play Lofton 40 minutes, but my God, when we're up 20, 25 points, I don't, no. I don't get Gannon. why, I don't get why he is driving the whole hard and, and needs to, you know, get contact at the rim when we're up 20 points. I'm assuming you're not talking about Gannon because Gannon fest is mm. more important than any of those a 10 games. That's that was true. for sure. <laughs> no, I was, I was referring to, I don't even remember what game it was. I don't think it was Gannon, but it was like, <laughs> it probably was Gannon. He probably played like 37. Yeah. Oh, he did. He played 34, <laughs> I think maybe 35. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I, I I just would like to see, you know, him play thirty-five minutes, get Oshun some more rest. You know, when you have a deep team like this, you can kind of do that. And then uh, another thing I wanted to touch on real quick, we in case people, you know, some people aren't so tuned in like we are, this year does not count against eligibility. So these guys can play, you know, as many games as they can. It doesn't matter. It's not going to count against you. So these guys, if they want, could come back for a fifth year. I don't know how many will actually do that. A lot of our guys, um, not a lot, but a few of them will be good enough to, you know, go overseas and try to make a pro career, even in the NBA, guys like Oshun. Um, but, you know, those other guys like like Holmes, like Roberts or Vasquez, or maybe they will come back for an extra year. So that's that's something to also keep an eye out for. But we don't want to think about that far in the future. We got to get through this season. We are beginning. Uh, this is going to be a crazy season, everybody. This is going to be just way out of the ordinary. And we are here. We're going to try to bring you podcasts once a week, at least up until the season starts. Then who knows? But we don't even know when the season's going to start right now, technically, because yeah. Everything's changing. Uh, Florida's got strip clubs open like crazy. Who knows what's going to happen? But what we are going to do is we're going to try to bring you as much Bonnie's content as we can as we get close to the season because we are amped for the season to finally start because it feels like forever since we last played because it has been forever. There's been a literal pandemic in between our last game and right now. It seems like forever since the Bonnet Cup. And when we were doing that, it seemed like forever oh since the yeah. season. I mean, this has been the longest offseason ever. So I can't wait to actually see real players and not, you know, 2K. Yeah. As much <laughs> as I love doing the 2K stuff, I don't I don't want it right now. I want real basketball. We all want real basketball. You all got a real Bonnet's Basketball podcast, the fourth best Bonnet's podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here on SB Unfurled and Friends. 
be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, all your podcast streaming gizmos. We will see you all hopefully next week, maybe sooner, maybe later. We don't know. Plans don't matter anymore. Thanks for joining us, though. <laughs> yeah.